Hi, my name is Ben Armstrong. Hi, this is David Koch. My name is Thomas Maurer. Hi, I'm Donna Sarkar. Hi, my name is Lana Montgomery. Hi, I'm Seth Juarez. Hi, I'm Aaron Thomas. I'm Jess Dodson. Hi, I'm Rocky Heckman. Hi, I'm Sonia Cup. Hi, I'm Troy Hunt. Hello, this is Wally Mee. My name is Reed Purvis. Hi, I'm Lars Clean. Hi, my name is Alan Birchall. Hi, I'm Adam Fowler. Hi, I'm Scott Guthrie, and you're listening to the Need to Know Podcast. All the latest Microsoft Cloud news, as well as industry guest deep dive conversations. It's a Need to Know Podcast. All thanks to the CIA Ops patron community. The Need to Know Podcast. Catch us on Twitter and Facebook. N2K Podcast. And online at ciaops.podbean.com. Hello and welcome to the Need to Know Podcast. You join me for episode 297. My name is Robert Crane and the focus here is on information in and around the Microsoft Cloud. So if you do want to reach out to me after the fact, you can do that via a number of different mechanisms. You can do that by firstly sending an email to director at ciaops.com. You can hit me up on YouTube as well. The channel is at director CIA. I'm at director CIA. Also on Twitter, Mastodon is twit.social forward slash at director CIA. And if you're interested in joining my team share channel, get a bit of a flavor of how shared channels work with teams information around the microsoft cloud um, i will provide a link to those instructions you can also find that in my blog by going and searching join my shared channel Uh, don't forget the old merch store plenty of interesting and fun t-shirts and whatnot there and you can become a ciaps patron to be kept up to date with all the latest information around the Microsoft Cloud on a daily basis and be part of a group of resellers, customers, and people who are keen on keeping up to date with all things Microsoft Cloud at www.ciaopspatron.com. So once again, thank you very much for joining me and let's get into some of the news items that we have for Microsoft this week. Now, probably the biggest announcement or the biggest thing to come out from Microsoft is the fact that it is effectively incorporating ChatGPT into Bing. Now, it has done this very, very quickly when you look at um, you know, what the approach that Microsoft has typically taken when it comes to technology. So it's really jumped in with both feet on this. There's a blog post here called Reinventing Search, a new AI-powered uh, Microsoft Bing and Edge, your co-pilot for the web. Some videos also floating around on YouTube uh, that give you some idea of that experience. So if if you've used ChatGPT, basically you're able to access something very similar inside the Bing interface. Now, if you do go to Bing today, typically you'll find a chat as one of the options across the top. If you select that option, you'll probably put on the waiting list. So you'll see a screen pop up here and down the bottom here, you can join uh, the wait list. And normally it shouldn't take too long, but the thinking apparently here is obviously you don't want to let everybody in immediately. That could overload the service. That would look bad. Uh, I think Microsoft sees this as a golden opportunity to try and um, eke out some additional revenue away from the advertising uh, that Google currently dominates in search. So the idea here is to roll it out, I think, in a sure and steady manner, trying to keep the interest, keep the enthusiasm going. So if you haven't done uh, any chat GPT, go to Bing 
and add yourself to the wait list. You'll obviously need to be doing this in Edge and you'll probably also have to have a profile Microsoft account or a uh, Microsoft 365 account to uh, do that. So very interesting to see where this leads. There's a lot of talk around this product from, you know, this is the complete cha game changer to eh, nothing much here to see. I think the reality typically falls in the middle here. Uh, what I'd be very interested to see, and hopefully it's not too far away, is the application or the integration of ChatGPT into Microsoft 365 Search, especially giving us the ability to really enhance those search capabilities, but use the source as the material, the information that we have in Microsoft 365. So I really believe that search in Microsoft 365 is something that is overlooked uh, quite readily as being one of the most powerful features that Microsoft 365 does provide productivity wise when people move to the cloud. It really is uh, really handy to be able to search all your information, both the name of the document and also the context, what's in the document as well. So fingers crossed, hopefully they bring that uh, to us soon in Microsoft 365. I'll put the link in the show notes so you can go and check it out for yourself. So ChatGPT now being rolled into uh, Bing. Now, Microsoft has also introduced a new post delivery activities report in Defender for Office 365. So Defender for Office 365 is Microsoft's mail hygiene project, uh, email hygiene uh, service. So one of the things that this service can do is if a um, you know, bad email or a suspect email is detected after the fact, actually after it has been delivered, uh, then they can reach in using something called zero hour auto purge or zap and remove that or quarantine that email away from a user's email box. Now, this report here is going to give you some idea of when that happened, how that happened, I'll be able to track that down. So again, you better get to that directly by security.microsoft.com forward slash reports forward slash post delivery activities if you wish, but um, would encourage you to go in and read the article, see all the enhancements and the capabilities of uh, this new report. Now, in other big news in Microsoft uh, services is that Yammer is being, the Yammer brand is being retired and replaced with something they're going to call Viva Engage. Now, uh, very, very interesting. So Microsoft, I think, bought uh, Yammer back in about 2008 for many billions of dollars and uh, really... It, it's sort of been the redheaded stepchild, I think. Um, unfortunately, I think in a lot of cases it's been overlooked and perhaps, you know, now with the advent of Teams, it doesn't have the same line line. It's still very, very big in the enterprises. I think it has uh, an important part to play in organisations, big and small, um, and maybe this will go along the way to uh, helping that, but uh, I think unfortunately it does have a bit of a, a tarnished nature. So we'll see what happens when it's renamed and brought to Viva Engage. Having it sort of front and center uh, in Teams may or may not lift its profile. Basically, the idea is at the moment anyway, it, it's just a, I suppose, a shortcut to uh, the traditional Yammer that we see, which is largely just chat based. I think it was called yeah, uh, Communities also in Teams as well. So uh, it's an interesting commentary that, you know, Viva seems to be the the brand where uh, Microsoft is putting a lot of uh, 
um, productivity tools that it can't quite um, line up. So, for example, we've got you know Viva Engage now. We've got Viva Learn. We've got um, you know Viva Topics. Uh, so there's a lot of you know interesting on a very different services in there under this Viva brand. Now the way to think about Viva is that it sits on top of Teams. So it's largely, I suppose, aimed at employee engagement, enablement, um, typically in the enterprise. So, you know, there are a lot of features you get with Viva for free. Uh, Viva Engage will be part of that. Um, but again, you typically need to have a, you know, a more powerful license, E5 and so on, to, um, you know, unlink, uh, to, you know, unleash some of these capabilities that Microsoft does provide with Viva. So, Look, at the end of the day, it's going to be interesting. Like I said um, the idea is is there's been a lot of talk about what's happening with Yammer. Will they cancel it? Will they keep it going? Will it be integrated into Teams? Is it needed today in light of Teams? Uh, again, we haven't seen a lot broad usage in uh, the SMB. I still think it has a lot of value, especially as a training tool, especially initially when you do the migrations to uh, Microsoft 365 and getting people to understand the benefits of uh, enterprise chat. Uh, so we'll see what happens here. So the article will be there for you to go and uh, read and have a look at. And if you want, you can add the appropriate shortcuts to your teams to go in uh, and use that. But at this stage, uh, it's sort of a wrapper just around the traditional Yammer, but we expect that to change uh, over time. So once again, Yammer uh, brand is being retired and being replaced with uh, Viva Engage. Now, another good article here from Microsoft is autom around automating your alert response actions with Microsoft 365 Defender. So in essence, what you can do here is you can create advanced hunting queries using KQL, so the KQL query language. And then once you've got the appropriate uh, query running, you can quickly convert that into a customized alert. Now, this is really handy. Uh, if you're looking for certain sorts of information now, again, don't forget that you there's it's not necessary to go in and create the KQL query uh, from scratch. The best place to start is go and look out at the many uh, community offerings and GitHub repos and some of that do have these KQL queries and use those. So there's plenty of good ones uh, for checking things like ASR, uh, USB usage, and so on. So, and we can now start generating alerts uh, from these custom queries. So again, go and have a look at that article and you know use those to customize, to get that extra little uh, reporting needs that you may have in your environment. Now, speaking of Defender, there is an article about the monthly news. So the good thing about uh, the Defender team is they are putting out regular monthly updates across the full product suite. So uh, there's you know Defender for Identity, Defender for Office 365, um, Defender Vulnerability Management, and so on. So there's lots and lots of Defender products out there. This is a really good blog post monthly uh, that will get you uh, across all of that information, the announcements, the videos, the webinars, and so on. So certainly would commend that to you. And again, that's called the Monthly News uh, for February 2023 for Defender. Now, another one in the security space is the article here, expanding support for attack surface reduction rules with Microsoft Intune. So attack surface reduction rules largely prevent child processes from executing. You can set these up standalone on just about every version of Windows. 
Um, however, uh, the best way to apply them is generally using a policy in Intune, and we can now do that with enhanced uh, reporting when it comes to rolling those out across our, our organization. So again, really, really handy capability to be able to control those ASR, especially if you want to maybe put an audit mode first, see what's going on, or you want to control that to a certain group. Uh, this article shows you how to set up, for example, a dynamic, mem a dynamic group and use that to control uh, ASR. So if you do need to know how to do that, certainly uh, go in and read this article. But if you aren't using ASR, you really, really should look at that seriously. I found it to be one of the best ways to prevent ransomware on machines. And uh, typically, like I said, it's built into every version of Windows and really should be turned on by default, I would suggest, uh, in most instances. Now, the last one here in the news is a new capability around Purview. So Purview is a compliance service from Microsoft. Um, what it is, is adaptive protection. So the idea is that you would set up a number of policies and you would have individuals uh, working with information. Now, over time, their actions may vary and become more or less risky. So what you can do is you can set up a policy to start making judgments using AI and machine learning as to whether that has crossed the threshold and you need to block the user from access to data. So let's say, for example, you have a user who you know, is doing normal things and all of a sudden they start downloading lots of um, restricted information and then they start sending or emailing that or sharing that with OneDrive. That's going to lift the risk level and that may then trip a policy enforcement that prevents them from getting access to any further information. So again, some good information here in the article that explains it. There's also a video on uh, Microsoft Mechanics that goes through that gives you hands-on, gives you the demo, shows you how, to how it works. Uh, again, it's going to be available in the higher SKUs or an add-on typically. So if you do need something like this, it is high-powered stuff. But again, looking at the power that you know this can bring to organizations to you know, automatically uh, manage or automatically be aware of these sort of things and manage it by policy rather than having to set you know individual uh, thresholds i think is a really really handy option and worthwhile having a look at so go and have a look at that and once again that is known as the adaptive protection that is in microsoft view. So what I thought I'd cover off in this episode's editorial is a brief look at some of the uh, virtualized technologies around uh, user or remote access that Microsoft now has uh, available. So typically today we have um, something called uh, Windows 365, all right, and we also have something called Azure Virtual Desktop or AVD. So these are the largely the two uh, services that replace um, RDS or Terminal Server on-prem. So if you're looking to move your Terminal Server RDS server into the cloud, these are probably two of the technologies that you, you know, should be considering. Now, the first thing to note here is that Windows 365 is broken up into two editions. It's broken up into a business edition and also uh, an enterprise edition. Now, the difference here with the, um, you know, with the 
business versus enterprise is largely that the uh, business edition is going to be typically uh, completely hands-off, right? So the idea is, is that um, it's going to allow you to, um, you know, basically set up the environment pretty much hands-off. Microsoft's going to do uh, all the hard yards for you, right? So it's really designed, I suppose, for, um, you know, the, the, the people who really want a simple single uh, virtual environment or single desktop in the cloud with a minimum amount of fuss. So basically what you need to do is just purchase the license and assign it to a user. It will spin up the device and take care of most of the configuration uh, for you. Now, at the end of the day, the other option we've got here is going to be the um, Windows 365 Enterprise. Now, Windows 365 Enterprise is going to um, you know, provide you the capability to integrate you know, with a VLAN. All right, so it's going to give you virtual LAN integration. It's going to give you the ability to have uh, custom images. So you can, you know, use an image with a certain uh, number of applications installed uh, and so on. So it's going to give you a lot more customization. It's going to allow you, for example, to integrate uh, with site-to-site uh, -site VPNs. So if you have a still have an on-prem environment and you want to integrate that with uh, a option here in the cloud for a virtual environment, then you're going to be able to do that more readily with the enterprise version of Windows 365. Again, it still requires a license for that for each user, but we also have the ability to integrate uh, Windows 365 here, uh, the enterprise version with uh, Intune. So we're going to be able to control it and uh, manage the environment uh, much easier with Windows 365 Enterprise. So largely it's not going to be a you know one button press rollout, uh, minimal user or minimal admin uh, required to set all this up. Now the big difference between uh, Windows 365 and uh, AVD or Azure Virtual Desktop is going to come around the licensing and the costings. Now, Windows 365 is very much like a Microsoft 365 product. It is a per user per month uh, charge. So it's a flat fee per user per month. So what that means is that, you know, once you buy the uh, use, once you buy the license and apply that to the user, that is the monthly cost for that license, no matter how much or how little uh, the user uses that that environment or that virtual machine. Now that makes it really handy when you want to have a known fixed cost. So if you want to know that the virtual environment per user is going to cost you 40, 50, whatever dollars a month, you would look at the Windows 365 uh, side of the house. Now the difference is is that uh, with AVD, this is Azure billing, right? So it is billed on a consumption basis. So that basically means that the more you use it, the more you will pay for it. However, that also gives you the flexibility to 
you know, think use things like reserved instances to power machines down when they're uh, not required after hours on weekends and so on, and to minimise that cost. So you've got far more flexibility with AVD when it comes to costs, and remember it is build on consumption. The other idea with AVD where it varies from uh, micro, uh, Windows 365 is that it is a pooled experience. It's much more like the traditional RDS environment, whereas Windows 365 is one virtual machine per user typically. Okay, so the user is assigned a license, they get a dedicated virtual machine as part of that license. AVD is largely about you know, creating a pool of machines and basically you know putting so many machines uh, in that pool and then assigning users across that pooled environment now you can assign users across that pooled environment in two ways you can assign them basically so that every time a new user is added to the pool uh, they go on to a new virtual machine so wide Okay, so every time a new user is added or comes into the environment to have a remote session, they um, put on a new machine. Now this continues until you've reached the breadth of your virtual machines in the pool, and then after that the overflow goes back onto that first machine. All right, so again, wide, not deep. The second option is, is that you can also change the way that it's loaded so that um, the users are added to the first virtual machine machine until it's fully loaded the second virtual machine until it's fully loaded third and so on so the real difference here when it comes to pooling you can control whether it goes wide across the pool filling up uh, basically you know uh, adding to machines you know first or the second option is deep whereas that it will you know fill up the capacity or the available um, capacity of the first vm then the second and so on so that may say billing that may say allow you to control your costs or you might want a better user experience um, you want them to, on a new virtual machine before you know it starts reusing them so they're the real two big options here first the, the differences between windows virtual desktop uh, sorry between windows 365 okay so Windows 365 again is a flat fee per user per month no matter how much uh, it's used whereas AVD you are billed on the compute time, the storage, um, you know those sort of things as with normal uh, Azure billing. So in SMB probably typically the most common scenario or the most cost effective scenario is going to be Windows 365 Enterprise so that's going to give you a lot of the capabilities, admin, the back end, the connection to a VLANs, the ability to do site-to-site -site uh, site -site VPNs, to connect to storage, do all sorts of uh, things with Azure, but basically have a flat fee per user per month. So this means that when the user accesses their Windows 365 Enterprise machine, they use it as they normally would, and then they can just disconnect from the RDS session and they don't pay any additional costs, right? So again, it's a flat fee per month. They come back to it. They come right back to where they were before and they can continue on using. So they can leave it running, you know, basically you know, all the time. Now, a big advantage of you know, both of these environments when you start thinking about it is the effectively the scalability that they do provide. So what that means is that, you know, you can basically um, scale up and scale down 
these environments as required. Now, obviously, there are some limitations based on, you know, what they are. So if you wanted to scale up a Windows 365 business machine, you would uh, look at, you know, changing the compute power, the memory of the machine, assigning that to the user, and that may require an additional uh, subscription cost because you're paying for a more powerful machine. Same thing with Windows 365 Enterprise. You can easily scale it up and scale it down. Remember, it's one um, virtual machine per user. AVD is the similar sort of thing. So you can add more machines to the pool. You can reduce the pool. You can configure the pool in a different way. Now, consider a very common scenario, even in SMB that we see out there where you have, say, a, um, an architectural firm. It is having challenges when it needs to synchronize data and information uh, to the you know, Microsoft 365 environment using OneDrive uh, Sync. Now, if those users, instead of using their local machines and with the large CAD files and trying to sync them to SharePoint, if those machines were then moved to the cloud with, say, Windows 365 or AVD, and the data was then still maintained in Microsoft 365, then when they access that information, they're doing that effectively over Microsoft's um, bandwidth, which is means that the Windows 365 environment is in the same data centers as the Microsoft 365 SharePoint Online data. So the access is going to be really, really quick. Now, part of the design of these systems is also to move away from you know, the traditional concept of uh, the, the hardware that people have. So typically on-prem when we have an RDS server, you know, you had to have you know, lots of RAM, lots of disk space, very fast disks, very powerful hardware to suit these multi-sessions. The reality today is the most important resource, compute resource these days around infrastructure is largely bandwidth. It's how fast we can get the information you know, to and from the machine. Now, because both of these technologies are in the Microsoft Data Center along with the data source being SharePoint Online typically, um, that means that you know the bandwidth, the capability, the ability to serve data is going to be so much quicker than you could realistically get anywhere else. Now, with that in mind, it also means that you don't need as powerful machines when you set up virtual machines for the users. So a rule of thumb, a typical rule of thumb, is they only need to be half as powerful as they would be on-prem. So if you think you need a you know, 16 gig machine to run whatever programs or be suitable for a user, you can probably get away with 8 gig, maybe even less, because again, it's all about bandwidth, browsing the web, um, working in SharePoint in line, and that sort of thing. So again, not exactly, you know, uh, you know, it's something you would have to test for your own environment is what I'm saying. But generally, when you look at the Microsoft Cloud environment, you would underspec, not overspec. The reason is that it's much easier to scale up on demand as needed. So on-prem, we would overspec because the machines would need to last for three years. We're trying to get the maximum amount of time out, out of them. Whereas today in the cloud, it's so easy to scale up or scale down as needed. So you're better off under-specking and then scaling up you know, if and when it is required. So it does give you that um, flexibility. Now, some other advantages of the uh, AVD environment is that it will allow you to separate out the, you know, the operating system. So you can pull out effectively the operating system from the applications and also the data. So what that means is that you can, 
if you choose, have a clean, a standard operating system. And then when a user attaches to the environment, the app capability is attached to that clean virtual machine. All right. And it also means that you can do the same with the data. So rather than being a single dedicated virtual machine where the data and everything is installed, the applications and the data live in their own storage and are simply attached when uh, a session is created and then can be removed and added again when and if required. So again, that's another uh, important differentiator here between AVD and uh, Windows 365, right? So Windows 365, as pointed out, is really a you know a truly dedicated device for that user in the cloud, which is really easy to use uh, one user, one license. Whereas AVD is really going to give you you know that flexibility, ability. Like I said, if you want to get uh, advanced here, is you can separate out you know the operating system uh, from the app, you know, and from the data uh, as well, and the billing. Now, as mentioned, is by consumption, uh, not on a per user basis. Now, of course, there's still going to be licensing that's going to be required for AVD. I'm not going to go into that, but uh, again, it's going to give you more flexibility. Again, it's more like a traditional uh, RDS uh, style uh, environment. If you do want that flexibility, um, again, I'll be looking at AVD. But I think the good middle ground here is Windows 365 Enterprise. Again, it allows you to spin up uh, an environment, assign it to a user, still gives you the ability to connect to a virtual LAN, site-to-site -site VPN, storage, um, all that sort of back-end, and control all of that through Intune, but still have all the policies uh, and whatnot, you know, applied to, you know, applied to that uh, environment as well. All right. Now, remember that <clears throat> the idea here is that these are both available. So it's a matter of choosing what suits you need. So for the most basic need for the simplest environment, the smallest, so if you need one or two devices, uh, I think that Windows 365 business is the, probably the best option. Very simple to set up. Um, doesn't have the same admin flexibility perhaps but if a user for example you know loses their device or it breaks and you can't source one then using a windows 365 business one will get them up and running really, really quickly because they can rdp into their device or that device uh, from you know anywhere that has internet connectivity so they simply use a browser or you know the dedicated rds client and they log into the uh, log into the workstation and is very much exactly like uh, their workstation they would see you know, uh, physically if they had one. All right, so it gives them all of that sort of capability to be able to work anywhere, anytime. Now, the other advantages of using this environment are that you could look at it as a more secure environment, meaning that you don't have to worry about the operating system, um, the software that's on the machine. An administrator has far more control over these machines because they're all based in the cloud. They apply policies. The machines that access them are doing that through an RDP session, uh, through a secure you know, connection. All that's going backwards and forwards is the screen I.O. This would allow them to deploy a very secure uh, environment, apply all the policies they need, lock those machines right down, and then users just access them on any device uh, that they have connectivity to the internet. So it does give that flexibility. 
The third option is the scalability, so you can start off small and grow. So let's say, for example, going back to our architectural example, you know, the architects start off and they've got five five of these virtual machines in Windows 365, and they add a sixth person. So rather than having to wait and go and buy a device, uh, have it shipped, and obviously it's a high-end device for an architectural uh, type, then they can just spin up another virtual machine. Now, let's say in two months' time, three months' time, they let one or two of those employees go. If they purchased the hardware, they would typically be stuck with it. They'd have to repurpose it. They have it sitting around idle. Whereas in the virtual environment, we just cancel the subscription, close you know that uh, all of that off, and go back. So it gives you that flexibility far more than going in and buying you know, dedicated devices. Another thing to consider is that all of this environment could be deployed with a script. So we can access, we can manipulate, we can manage and deploy all of these environments, Microsoft 365 users and now devices using something like PowerShell. So again, it removes the need to you know have a machine and get it Azure AD joined or a um, you know, a VPN to get people to come in, authenticate, join a domain, do all that sort of uh, fun stuff. You know, doing all this deploying devices virtually has a lot of benefits, much easier to administer, much easier to control, uh, and much easier to uh, secure. Right, so there are lots and lots of reasons, I think, to consider these style of environments. And again, my advice to you would be, you know, go in, um, pay for a month, spin up a month, uh, see what the machines do, what they are, how they work, play with them. Um, and again, I think if you look at the pricing, I think it is very comparable to a, you know, a, hard, a, a decent piece of hardware that's purchased, say, over two years. Um, but it does remove a lot of that. So it spreads it out as a monthly cost and expense. Uh, that's much easier than a depreciation style schedule. Now, the other thing I'll point out to those of you who do have access to the CDX uh, environment, typically Microsoft partners there is now a Windows 365 demo that you can sign up for in there so if you do have access to the CDX um, environment then uh, basically you can uh, use that demo but if you don't I'd certainly encourage you to spin up a, a one month or even a, I think they still have trials of Windows 365 spin it up have a play with it but if you need that flexibility then look at the enterprise version rather than the business now if you want to go to the next level, go deep. I do have a number of videos around the Azure AVD, setting all of that um, up for you as well. Now, the last difference I'll call out between Windows 365 and Azure Virtual Desktop is you can use AVD to do basically app, what's called app publishing. So what that means is that rather than having a, you know, a remote terminal uh, for the uh, environment, the idea is, is that you have that backend as it was before with a certain set of applications on it, and then you publish those applications. So what that means is, is you have those applications on a user's desktop or on a device, and then when they click on that icon, and let's say it's a Word icon, they click on that icon, what happens in the background is to the, what happens is that in the background, a Windows device spins up in the pool and then Word is run on that. But the only thing that is presented to the user or the user sees is the Word application. So again, imagine it as a focus screen just on that application. So this means that 
to a user they just see an application so if you have an application that you need more control of and rather than having to install the software all the time on users desktops or whatever you do it in the AVD environment but you use it as applica what's called application uh, publishing and you then push that published application out to your audience and they just see an icon on the desktop that looks like Word or looks like the, app, the application. They double click on it. They have no idea that in the background it's actually launching a virtual machine, running that application. All that is happening in the pooled environment in AVD. You can pull the data really quickly from the data sources. All that's going up and down to the user is the screen IO. It's all happening on a virtual machine hosted to Microsoft data centers, which the user typically isn't or won't be aware of. So they get nice performance, quick access to their data. There's better security for those managing it, admin and so on. So again, another big advantage of AVD is its ability not only to do desktop, dedicated desktop sessions, but also to do what's known as application publishing. All right, so gives you a lot more flexibility there. And as I said, remember that AVD is a consumption-based billing. All right, so hopefully that's given you a bit of an idea of the uh, environments that are out there. So Windows 365 uh, business, the most basic, Windows 365 enterprise, more flexibility, probably the go-to SKU for most people uh, in the SMB who are looking to replace uh, an on-prem RDS server. And AVD, all right, an Azure service that's going to give you those uh, desktop sessions, but in a pooled environment and also allow you to publish applications as well. So lots of information out there from Microsoft videos. I've got some stuff on my YouTube channel as well that you can refer to. I'll put in the, the links in the show notes so you can have a look at that. Go and have a, uh, go have a play with that. All right, so let us round things off for this episode. As always, don't forget to stay tuned to my blog for updates, information uh, and learnings there. That's at blog.ciaops.com. Also have lots of free scripts that you can go and use around security and um, configuration connecting to Microsoft 365 services in the cloud, for example. Again, you'll find that at github.com forward slash director CIA. Um, plenty of tutorials and these videos, a video uh, version of this podcast will go up on YouTube for people to uh, consume. Uh, presentations end up on my SlideShare, slideshare.net forward slash director CIA. Don't forget my online training courses at CIAPS Academy and also the patron community at ciaopspatron.com. Reach out to me if you've got any questions, feedback or thoughts. You can do that on the Twitter at Director CIA or via email director at ciaops.com. I take this opportunity to thank you for the time. Also, the feedback I've got from people really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Let me know what you think. We're at episode 297. We're getting close to 300. Don't know if you want to do something different on uh, for episode 300. Let me know. Reach out. Give me some suggestions. If you do have other topics you'd like me to discuss or people to interview, by all means, also let me know via the different mechanisms. But for now, Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Need to Know podcast. You have been listening to the Need to Know podcast from CIA Ops. For training on using technologies like SharePoint Online or Microsoft 365, visit www.ciaopsacademy.com. By purchasing from the selections available, you'll be directly supporting this podcast. To provide feedback on this episode, visit www.ciaops.com contact.